Our on-watch theme today is See It to Be It, Increasing Gender Diversity on Board. Kunal and I spoke to two extraordinary women. I spoke with Jessie Elizabeth Schifolo, who I met because she won a legal writing contest co-sponsored by the American Bar Association and GARD. But what I wanted to talk to her about was her service at sea before coming ashore to go to law school. And I talked to Monica Kohli, who was both a guard colleague and the president of VISTA for the UK. VISTA stands for Women in Shipping and Trade Association. Let's start with my conversation with Jesse. What sort of impetus was there for you to join the Merchant Marine and go to the academy? I just wanted to be on the water. I grew up on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and always loved being out fishing. And my dad had retired when I was going into high school and bought a shrimp boat as his retirement job. And so I worked on that during summers and on weekends and just really loved being on the water. But I knew I wanted to go to school. And I was looking at the Naval Academy and I learned you can't, you don't have a a seafaring career after you go to the Naval Academy for the most part. You have to rotate shoreside some and you can't really study navigation or ship handling and through learn like looking into the naval academy i learned about the merchant marine academy and it just seemed like a good fit for me it had what i wanted to study and i liked the idea of working at sea Um, at the time i thought it was going to be my career forever well we'll definitely get into that about what you're doing now but um when you were at the academy what was the gender diversity um within the academy my class at Kings Point was 20, 20 women out of 200. So we were at 10%. Well, that's not shocking, <laughs> I guess. That's a start. That's a start. And then um, tell me what you did after you graduated. I started with Military Sealift Command when I graduated. I worked on one of their salvage ships in Hawaii for the first year I was out of school. Um, which was a great experience. We docked in Pearl Harbor a lot, and I was able to get my towing endorsement and a lot of hands-on ship handling experience. Um, And then from MSC, I joined AMO, which is American Maritime Officers, and pretty much went straight into tankers for them. Um, I did one container ship hitch and then was able to get on a shoreside tanker and stayed there. Well, what did you, what was your beginning position and how did you move up? I started as a third mate and I was a third mate for a couple of years and um, I had my second mate's license. In the U.S., you only need sea time to move up to a second mate's license. Was still sailing third mate and had a captain who really pushed me to upgrade to my chief mates quickly even though I was still sailing just as a third mate. So I made sure I got all my classes needed to sit for my chief mates. And as soon as I had the sea time, I sat for my chief mates. And immediately after getting my chief mates, I was able to, I started sailing second mate. And that was just under four years out of school. And I did one hitch as second mate and then moved up to chief mate. So I was sailing chief mate four years out of school. 
I think that's probably pretty extraordinary, although okay, I don't have sailing background myself. But what tell me about this uh, this captain that um, kind of uh, encouraged you? Yeah, he was um, probably one of my best mentors I had shipping. He worked, so I worked for him for about three and a half years. We're still in touch to this day. And he really made sure that even as a third mate, um, I was getting exposure to the, the chief mate role and the jobs um, that I was getting practice doing cargo calculations and paperwork that I was getting a chance to do the tank inspections and stuff that normally gets third mates don't get included in. Um, and I think part of that was the company I was with was getting ready to expand their fleet. So he knew there were openings coming up. Um, but he really, I like to say that he was like a sponsor almost for me, not even just a mentor because he stuck his neck out for me saying like, she's ready to move up to this next position and it should be her. Um, and I think that's something we all need. Yes, absolutely. And it's, um, it's encouraging that, um, you know, there was uh, recognition there that you had talent that the company was, was uh, looking for. So that's great. So did you actually um, sail as a master? I did one brief relief job on an ROS ship. Um, once I, as soon as I got my master's license, I was kind of ready to start looking at coming shoreside. Uh, and I, I was just to the point I was ready to start graduate school instead of holding out for that position. So I never, I never sailed on it for more than a about two week relief job. Okay. But I guess that's not uncommon either to, to actually get the license, but then move ashore. Um, so I'm hearing from you, you were encouraged to join the, um, Kings Point and apparently did well there. And then once you were aboard ship, what was really important for you is having a, um, supporter in the, uh, in the form of the master who really encouraged you to, to move up. So that's great. I was uh, listening to um, a panel discussion. This is coming from the ITF uh, General Secretary, Stephen Cotton. He said that women make up only 1.28% of seafarers globally. Um, and I found that to be quite shockingly low. Um, but in your experience, why do you think the numbers, and here we're talking globally, remain so stubbornly low about getting women aboard ship? I think a big part of it is access to the information about the job. Um, I mean, I know I went to an all girls high school and it was not talked about. Like nobody came, people went to the boys school across the street and talked about the service academies and the maritime schools, but nobody came to the all girls school to talk about it. And I you know that's true. I in the U.S. for a lot of the country that it's just girls don't know that these careers are out there. Um, they don't see when they do hear about them, they don't ever hear about women in these positions. So they don't picture themselves in those jobs. Do you think um, from your experience that this type of career is a good one for for girls to consider? I think it can it can be. I I had a great you know eight years of sailing and I, I was ready to come shoreside, but I think that happens to a lot of men too. And it can be 
a really great starting point for a career in the maritime industry or to stay out at sea. Um, I think the more women we can get in the maritime industry and on ships, the better it will be as a career for women. So you won't feel so singled out. It won't be, it shouldn't be a big deal that women have these jobs because they're women or move up because they're women. And that it's going to be that way though, I think until we have closed the gender gap a little more on board. Um, and I, the biggest part of that is just getting the word out and getting women both on ships and to stay on ships. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's also true for, for men um, in that once you get some experience, then you do have translatable skills where you can come ashore. And certainly if you're in um, in a family situation, you may, you may uh, have a lot of pressure to do that. I, I know that's true for, for, for men as well as women. Um, but what, you know, when you're talking about women aboard ship, I think what you're saying is you need sort of a critical mass to make it, to normalize it and to allow um, girls and young women to see themselves in those kinds of roles. And the more that happens, the more you will see women aboard ship. Um, but in your experience, is there a benefit to to gender diversity on ships? So I I think there is. I'm also going to, obviously, I've only ever been on ships where there was at least one woman on board. Um, a lot of times, you know, I was the only one. But I think when you when you have women on board, it's it feels more, I've been told it feels more civilized, that everybody behaves a little better. You know, I think we, we have a different way of pro- problem solving than a lot of guys do. We have different management styles. In general, the, the more diversity you get in ways of thinking or background, the, the better skill sets you have. I think the female chief mates and captains that I worked for early in my career were better teachers, at least for me. Um, they were more patient as far as they didn't expect you to just figure it out. And I know that's been the way of the industry for a really long time, but that doesn't mean it's the best way to just throw somebody in and expect them to stumble through their job. And I think having more women on board outside of just keeping it civilized is they tend to tend to be more level-headed in emergencies as leaders or, um, you know, I've seen a lot less yelling from the female senior officers on board than from the men. That's an interesting observation. <laughs> it kind of runs against stereotype, I think, you know, the idea that women, you know, are prone to hysterics while men are, um, you know, steady Eddie. Uh, but <laughs> so I, I also hear you saying that you have served under women officers. Um, where where did that happen? My the very first ship I was on out of school, I had, when I signed on to my salvage ship, I had a female captain and a female chief mate. Um, and the, the female chief mate was there the entire year that I was on the ship. And it the only time I've worked for uh, female senior officers, um, I've had some females underneath me or equal to me in the engine room. But I thought it was a great, it was a very positive experience to have when you're straight out of school and you show up and three of the four deck officers are female. Um, and, you know, that salvage work and towing is very training heavy at the beginning. And it was something I had no experience with. 
And so I felt I was really lucky to have patient and really good teachers on that first job. And I don't know, later on when we had a, a male captain come on uh, and a new third mate join, I don't know that he would have been as patient in the beginning when we were getting ready to do that big ocean towing job. Like there was a lot of expectations that you just knew what you were doing because you would have been assigned to that ship from him and a little less incentives to train. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's that's a sort of a universal issue and a universal problem about just the expectation of knowing what you're doing and um, sort of minimal training. I, I think that the industry is turning around on that sort of attitude, certainly from from our perspective as a P&I club. We we strongly uh, recommend um, training as and, and simulation and so on as an important loss prevention uh, technique. So uh, better trained people have fewer accidents. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, you know, I was kind of doing a little little bit of research to prepare for this topic, and I um, thought that maybe the uh, U.S. military might have um, similarities with seafaring in that it was so um, male dominated for such a long time. So. Uh, one thing I was surprised to learn is that women make up nearly one in five serving in the Air Force. So that was, um, you know, nearly 20 percent. Um, and I read an article in The New York Times that had sort of short comments from 40 different women who had served. And something that caught my attention was from a woman who had served in the Air Force. And what she said is that I remain inspired to climb with one hand while extending the other to help another woman up. And um, I know that you have been involved in a mentorship program, but do you think that one of the answers to getting more women into seafaring is both in mentoring and also networking woman to woman? I think it is because one, I think if you see, if you can see as a third mate or an AB or third engineer, that female senior officer or somebody running operations shoreside as a female for a shipping company, it gives you something to work for. It gives you, it lets you know it's possible. Um, there's definitely going to be situations that come up as a female in shipping where you may have a great male mentor or somebody who's sponsoring you, helping promote your career, but they're not really going to have the specific answers maybe for that situation. So I think we absolutely need female mentorship, but we also need men out there who are willing to teach women when they're on their vessels and who are willing to push for their promotion. Because if if everybody in these operations managers positions and in captain slots, if most of them are men, you know, they need to be serving as mentors and helping like, pull people up too. Because otherwise, if we're waiting for the two female captains in a company, to help bring up female captains behind them, we're not gonna move people up as quickly as we could if we had other people helping. That's uh, <laughs> that's absolutely right. I think, you know, in, in my own career as a maritime lawyer, uh, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere without male mentors and, um, you know, tips coming from the men because there weren't any women, <laughs> there weren't any women in front of me. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. 
Um, but tell me a little bit about the uh, mentorship program. And it's very cute the way they do the mentorship with the capital S. So you get the word ship in there. But uh, tell me a little bit about that. What's that about? So I think it's a it's a great program that was started by Women Offshore. Um, the, the very first year, it was only for Kings Point. I don't even think it was officially the name, like Marad helped sponsor it. And then the next year, Women Offshore was able to launch this platform and it matches women from all around the world with uh, mentees and mentors in the maritime industry. And they do a great job of pairing people with mentors in their interest area. When I was sailing on tankers, I mentored cadets and young third mates who were looking at tanker careers from the US. I had a mentee from South Africa one year. I had um, I had a mentee from England and then I still get some mentees now that are interested in tankers, but I've had more over the last few years that are interested in graduate school of some kind. Um, one of my mentees is a 1L at the same law school that I'm at now. She started law school this year. Um, and I, I think it's a great resource for everybody. I've gotten a lot out of it as a mentor. I wish it had been around when I was in school, but hopefully it's around for a long time. Well, congratulations to you on um, on all of your accomplishments, particularly the uh, the ABA and the Guard uh, Writer Competition. That was um, a very interesting article that you wrote. So we enjoyed highlighting it. Thank you. <laughs> Kunal, you sailed for many years on different types of ships. Did Jesse's comments bring up any thoughts for you about your own experience? Absolutely, Kim. I think um, a, a lot of things that Jesse said, I, I, I started to wonder and started to reflect back on my time at sea. We had we had an inspection by um, the immigration authorities on board a ship, and uh, we had a few female uh, immigration officers who had come on board. And uh, just the fact that the vessel was going to be inspected by female immigration officers kind of changed the mood on board the ship. Uh, suddenly, uh, everyone was a lot more civilized. Uh, I was a cadet back then. So, I mean, all I could do to kind of look more presentable was just put some deodorant on, and that was all that I was allowed. But I also noticed that uh, the way my captain treated me was, was with a lot more respect than what he would have done otherwise. So when Jesse talked about this influence of women uh, on board ships on, on how male counterparts behave, I think I could relate a lot to that because I experienced that myself um, as a young cadet. I never had the opportunity to actually sail with a female officer on board, uh, but uh, I I do uh, recall, uh, you know, where my friends had sailed with female officers and how their experiences were so different from my own experience on board ships. One of the things that uh, she said that really impressed me was her point that men have a central role in mentoring women. That was her experience, and it was certainly mine too. Um, what do you think? Men do have a role in mentoring, not just women, but I would say any young seafarer. And uh, sometimes uh, we have to uh, invest more efforts in uh, ensuring that uh, the, the young seafarers, men or women, they get the right kind of mentoring. Have a listen to my conversation with Monica Kohli. There's some very important points that she talks about in terms of how Vista supports this whole initiative of uh, mentoring women in shipping. Hi, Monica, and thank you very much for joining us for this podcast. 
Hi, Kunal. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Vista. What what does Vista really mean for the benefit of our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Kunal. Um, as you've mentioned earlier, I am a president of Vista UK. I've become president in the summer, so it's a relatively uh, new post that I'm super excited about. I've been a member of Vista for more than a decade now. Oh God, we're older than we look, aren't we? Um, we've been uh, working at Vista with women, obviously. It's Women in Shipping and Trade Association. We're at Vista UK with um, hundreds of members, but we also have Vista International with uh, members worldwide, 54 countries, which, are which we are so happy about. But we at Vista are committed to providing essentially a safe and dynamic space for especially women, but not only women, in shipping and trade to learn, grow and network together. And for this, we have a little committee in UK. You know, we have ex-seafarers, we have treasurers, we've got accountants, we've got you know people who run their own company. So yeah, we all work together to provide a space for all of us to learn, grow together. All right, thanks, um, Monica. It's interesting to know what Vista is doing in the industry. And uh, I would like to draw on the interview with Jesse, which uh, I'm sure you've also heard. Yeah. Uh, she talks a little bit about a general lack of awareness amongst women about the maritime industry, which generally stops them from, you know, showing interest or, or even joining the industry. What do you make out of that comment? Do, would you agree? Do you think is, the, is, is it awareness which is an issue or is it something else that you think, um, you know, from your experience that could have been an issue? Well, Kunal, obviously seeing that there, if you look at data, even the most generous data says only 2% of seafarers are women. Well, there is a problem to start with. Yes, enough women are not going into seafaring. Um, why is that? See, uh, awareness is one of them. And I kind of make a point whenever I speak to anybody in, in the industry, seafaring or even ancillary services to ask them how they enter the industry. And it's amazing how few of them say, yeah, we always wanted to do it unless they come from a seafaring background like myself or you know some others I speak to. Most of them are like, oh, by accident, or we applied and shipping was the only thing, or my cousin's cousin's friend you know, had a role and they said, come and apply since you're not getting a job anywhere else. So awareness of the industry is a huge barrier. Even today we say invisible seafarers, you're seeing the struggles of seafarers and no one talks about them until you have a big incident somewhere in the world and suddenly everyone's like, oh, wow, but no one talks about it. So yes, awareness and considering UK is an island nation, it's really surprising that more people are not jumping into the industry. I think now there is more emphasis on this and trying to get people to join. Uh, a lot of data is shortage of even workboats and seafarers in the UK due to Brexit, due to you know various reasons. So they're trying to home grow more talent. There is a shortage of talent. Um, women, if you think that there's an awareness in the industry or in the world about the industry, women even less. I think Jesse pointed out that they go to the boys' school, but not to the girls' school. And yes, I mean, sometimes they don't even go to the boys' school, even along the coast. So gender awareness and industry awareness, I think both are vital. I think maritime careers, you know, maritime skills, everyone's trying to get this growing. How do you make it happen? I guess talk about it more. All of us should be more visible ambassadors for the industry. At Vista, that's what we try and do. Um, we that's why I mentioned we have a seafarer. We're trying to work more with seafaring cadets. Uh, we're trying to work more with people in the industry. I don't know my pre-jumping questions, but 
I, I really think that it's awareness more than anything else, absolutely. And then encouragement of women. I was talking to a lady in the northeast of India, and you and I both know it's landlocked, right? It's really up north, it's far away from the sea. And she suddenly found an ad somewhere randomly and said, oh, this sounds interesting. So after getting in, after doing the test, she's like, then it took me a year to convince my parents. But if there's no awareness, it's also then the cultural uh, baggage that holds you back in a way. So everyone's like, why? What is this? So you're going to sail with boys, you know, on this tin carrier across the world. How will that work? Oh, there are so many barriers, but it's it's changing. You know, it's changing more and more. Um, today, if I was a young lady today, if I was much younger lady today, I wouldn't hesitate to join the sea. But when I was, you know, looking for a career, I had never seen a female seafarer. Growing up in India, my father's a seafarer, my brother would join the sea, my cousins. But no one ever told me, yeah, Monica, you can join the sea. You love it so much. You know, you've sailed as a kid with your parents. It's natural for you to want to join the sea. I'd never seen a female seafarer. It was, I'd never seen one, so I never thought I could be one. So... I think that is changing at least. So let's look at the positive. Today, you can do it. I tell my nieces. I, I, I fully agree, Monica. I think the level of awareness about seafaring in general today is better and more than what it used to be before. But I always wonder, because I also have a seafaring background, and, uh, and I know one thing for sure. Joining the sea or joining a ship is one thing. But sustaining it is another thing altogether. How? What does Vista do? What is Vista's role here in supporting those seafarers? And I'm not just referring to women as seafarers, but seafarers in general. Is there are there any initiatives that Vista is involved in? Um, so Vista is women in shipping and trade. So it's not just seafaring. It is part of what we do, but we also support um, the wider sh shipping industry in a way. But for seafaring, because we've been having this conversation through the industry and, you know, God has been supporting a cadet through the years, we've been talking within Vista about maybe supporting a female cadet, trying to see how that would go. It's not cheap. It's so expensive. How do we get the funding for it? Who will support us? I hope our listeners have ideas how we can work on that. So that is one of our initiatives, trying to work with seafarers. So we're talking to um, the Seafarers UK, which is a seafaring, ch seafaring charity. It started at the King George Fund for Seafarers. We're talking to Mission to Seafarers. We're seeing where we can give. You know, I we talk we talk to um, young ladies who want to come ashore, so we kind of give them mentorship. If they ask for it, we try and provide them with links. At this is what at Vista we try and do to help seafarers. And of course, the most important thing: if you are a seafarer, your membership is free. So any seafarer listening to this, any female seafarer listening to this. Do not hesitate to join Vista UK. You are welcome and you don't have to pay for it. I feel like I'm selling it nicely, so do join us. So uh, let me ask this uh, one more question. Since you have been involved with so many seafarers or women seafarers for that matter, uh, can you reflect a little bit on the experiences uh, that you know of from these women? about uh, seafaring in general or, uh, you know, in the ship uh, ancillary services related to shipping industry in general. Can you can you share some experiences with us? Yes, yeah, so I, there was an article we did some time ago together with Kim with female seafarers in guard itself and some in the industry. We spoke to a few of them. I think one interesting thing 
all of them had very positive experiences. Not one person got off and said, I hated it, or I was, you know, targeted, or I was not happy. They all got off happy at the end. They said they had a lovely experience. Everyone looked out for them. I think uh, your previous speaker also spoke about role models who were men. And I think men are amazing feminists. So some of everyone is supportive and everyone has to be supportive in the world for us all to progress together. So a lot of them spoke about their mentors who were captains, who were men, who helped them, who supported them. A lot of them were Norwegian. So they said the reason they stopped sailing, sustaining, as you said, was because the industry changed. So it went from Europe to the Far East. So that's when they all stopped, women and men in Northern Europe. That's at least what they mentioned to me. So I haven't spoken about data, but about three women who mentioned this to me, one after the other. Um, a couple of women had experiences like there was no space to get pregnant when you were at sea. Like they didn't recognize pregnancy. They didn't give you any benefits. There was no space for it almost in uh, when you came ashore. So they couldn't go back after that and they had to find ancillary services. Um, and they were few and far between, right? As Kunal, you know, as a seafarer, my father had never seen a, a female seafarer when, you know, an agent came aboard who was a woman who used to get like, wow, you know, an agent has come aboard or, you know, a pilot is a woman, you know, in the 70s I'm talking about. Today, it's it's way more common. At least it's not an unusual occurrence. So I see more and more seafarers and I'm so happy that they're my age and older. I'm my mid 40s now. So that means that they were sailing when I wanted to sail. Um, today. It's not even a question. I'm like, yeah, of course we can sail, and you know, of course we can be there. And in the industry, when I started going um, in India, uh, I practiced law for ten years in India before I came to the UK. I was the only professional woman. Most women there were wives or daughters. I was a daughter, but I was also a shipping lawyer. So everyone remembered me because I was the only woman they saw in the industry. And similarly, I think in even when I started in the UK, then 15 years ago. There were very few women at industry events. It's 20, 30 percent. And, you know, that's the tipping point, Kunal. Once you're 20 percent, you have a bit more of a say. People listen to you more. You are more present. You're more aware. You're talking more. You have more space to be yourself. And I think Kim and I have spoken about this in the past. When you were in the industry, especially in law, there was a way you had to dress to be taken seriously. You had to power dress. You had to be a certain way. A generation of women could not be anything other than what they perceived would be taken seriously at the time. Today, you can have any color, any space, any way to be, and you are taken seriously by virtue of your profession, or you don't need to be uh, power dressing in power suits. You can be sparkly and pink, and you can be green, and you can be gold, and you're still taken seriously if you have gravitas as a woman. So I, I think that's a huge change that I have seen. If if um, that's what you are kind of referring to beyond seafaring, I see women so strong the way they're brought up today. I see a confidence in women that I really am so proud of. I want to think that Kim and I and many women before me were stepping stones for women to be themselves today and to grow and you know not have these barriers at every level that all of us have faced. And we continue to face, and it is a fact. I mean, there's nothing to be said about that. That it is a fact. But hopefully, the next generation will have fewer of them, and then the next generation even less, and then suddenly there'll be no barriers to being a woman in shipping or seafaring or trade. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when you when you talk about it, like the past and the present uh, kind of comparison, uh, Monica, it, it is quite encouraging to see how 
the industry in general has accepted this change over the years. And um, I believe in, uh, even during my time in God, all the ex-women seafarers that I've come across, I feel that uh, what would it be like to sail with them? Because I never had a chance to sail with a female seafarer <laughs> throughout my, my seagoing life. So yeah, thank you very much, Kunal. Uh, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. It's a delight to speak about Vista, about women in shipping, and of course, to speak to industry colleagues and my own colleagues about this topic. So thank you very much.